Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Burns and Gambo starts now. Straight up to the claw. On this Wednesday afternoon, good afternoon and welcome into today's edition of the Burns and Gambo Show here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. My name is Dave Burns alongside the one, the only, John Gambadoro. Hi, Gambo. Burnsy, what's going on? In a role reversal. Yes. I am working from yes. home. You are at the studio today. Yes. 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 Because I tested positive oh, for COVID man. last night. Yippee ki Woohoo. Damn. That's like what? Yeah, I know, right? How many times have you had it now? This is number two. That's this number, is number two. two. Okay. This is number two. I, I had it back in May for the first time. Uh, and this is number two. I was feeling a little punky after the show last night, so I took you a are. test, and I've got it. And so now I'm working from home. Yes. I don't have any I'm in the closet, Gambo. I'm looking at a, a wall of my wife's clothing right now. Uh, that's where you do the show from? I do the show from my walk-in closet, Studio C. Yeah. It's where I did. It's where I did all those Diamondback postgame shows from. Is it because of the sound? Ago. Is it the sounds better? Yes. Like in the, in a closet? Yeah, it's it's like the most acoustically balanced room in your house. Um, you know, and, I, and we've got like mm-hmm. hardwood floors in every other room in the house. It's the only room that's got carpet in it, and all these clothes. It's just like great for the sound. Oh, so, okay. is right. that where the Spider Man carpet is? Uh, no, there's no Spider Man. No, no. You're you're thinking of my Avengers rug. That's oh, that's what office. I meant. Sorry. Yeah, that's no. That's is not it a here. typical closet not. where like your wife has like you know ninety percent of it, and you have ten percent? That you know what? Yes, you yeah, are correct, yeah. sir. That's my closet. Ninety percent. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm looking at it 50, right now. My, it started fifty fifty, you know, and then like I slowly <laughs> sixty forty, seventy thirty, eighty twenty, and now I have this like little. I have this little corner piece, and then she has everything else. See, you were always my hero when it came to fifty fifty stuff like that. The that you've cracked and given in gives me no hope for mankind. No whatsoever. hope. No hope. Yeah, zero. No, she's I've, absolutely I've, taken I've, over. I've cashed in. If you, if you, Gambo can't command. Half of his closet, who can? You no, know, every time and a new so, pair of dunks comes in and that collection grows or a new pair of boots come in, I just get pushed over to the side a little bit more. Yeah. And, and I'll be I, I'll folks, be I'll be completely out of my closet by June. Really? Four more pairs of dunks and another pair of boots and I'm out of there. So where do you go? I don't what know. What happens then? I don't know. What so you just, do you, take do you, the four, is there take closet the, take a, in the house that can become yours? Take an extra, yeah, take one of the extra bedrooms and just make that closet mine. Yeah, it's going to have to be oh. something like that. Okay. And I'm not exaggerating when I say it's 90%. I mean, it's just a thin little sliver of a rack that belongs to me. The rest belongs hey, to we're, hey, we're, we're men. We're all there. We're all, all us married men. We're, we're in the same spot. A lot of guys like I, I do the same thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Happily married. Mm. That's and that's how it is. Closet space is sacrificed. Uh, also, happy Suns fans after last night's win. Let's weigh in with our top story of the day here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. Here comes Paul to Johnson. Going straight through the lane for the two-hand monster jam. Cam Johnson, 21 on the night. No louder than that, too. How comfortable, uh. right? The, sl- the can Ooh. slam. The can slam. 71-55. He, he landed. 
Yeah, I thought he hurt himself when he landed he on that one. Yep. I'm glad he's okay. It looked like he landed kind of awkward on that one. Yep. Well, good win for the Suns. I mean, you know, again, there's some issues that we'll get to in a second, but what a great start to the game. Cam Johnson, three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. He knocked out four of them. He was six for six from the field. He had a great, great first quarter in that game. The Suns are blowing him out 36-15. He's got 16 points in seven minutes. Second quarter starts. They get up by by 30. 30 points. Mikhail Bridges, three-point play with 7.01 left. 30-point game. I guess it's over. Like, this is going to be great. I need to watch the second half. This was done. And then the somehow, some way. They allowed Charlotte to score every time they got the damn ball. Charlotte yeah. goes on a 23-2 to run, and it's an eight-point game. And you're like, what the hell? You were just up by 30. You were just up by 30. And now it's, you know, before you knew it, it's an eight-point basketball game. And from there, the Suns in the second half were kind of comfortably able to get it back to 15, and they kind of hovered around a 15 to 20 point margin for most third quarter into the fourth quarter. Then eventually they kind of pushed away uh, and, and ended up winning this thing by what was the final margin? 31 points when it was all said and done. But yeah, that's, you know, I mean, look, and we've experienced this roller coaster. It's, it, I don't want to complain about it too much, and I don't know how much you feel like complaining about it, but, you know, I, I leave the floor open to you. They're winning basketball games. They've won four straight. I don't want to quibble too much about how, because for a month and a half, it felt like they couldn't win any of these games. But if we're going to quibble for a minute, let's quibble about, you know, how Memphis is down by 27 points, and that's nearly a ball game, or how the Nets are down a bunch, and they rally at the end, and they nearly win the, win the basketball game. Same thing with the Pacers. I, I don't know. How much... How much do you feel like complaining about that? Because I don't know how much we should complain no, about I mean, something Not like a whole that. lot. They did what they had to do. N- not a whole lot. But, you know, you want to see them step on these teams' throat and bury them. They let them back into the game. That was a team that was out a lot, without a lot of their key players, right? No Gordon Haywood, no no Ball, no uh, Oubre. So they were without key players, like you were, too. You jump all over them, you're up by 30, and then they make a game of it. Uh, but the Suns' third quarter, quick 8 nothing run, you know, three-pointed three point by Chris Paul, three-pointed by McHale, um, you know, an 8 nothing run, you take control. And then from that point forward, they kind of buried them uh, and, and got the lead up. They were back up by 25 when Dario hit a corner three in the fourth quarter. So overall, I think they did what they had to do. Teams make runs. You hate to see it. You don't expect yeah. it, like a big run like that, especially Charlotte, but... They had a big run, twenty three to two, got themselves back in the game. But that's the that's usually the league. The league is kind of positioned to where teams can you know, you get a big lead, you take your foot off the gas a little bit and the team makes a run and that's what happened. Cam Johnson after the game. Feels good. Get to get out there and make some shots. Um but I just kinda feel like I'm doing my job at, at the you know, end of the day. Um I like to say you can't get too high with the highs, too low with the lows, you know, shooting. Some of them feel great, don't go in. Some of them feel a little off, go in. But you make over half of them, and, and they think you're pretty darn good, right? So uh, just got to stick with it. Yeah, he obviously, that being Cam Johnson, obviously giving the team a lot of energy. I don't know how much it's going to matter come playoff time. I don't know where this team is going to be positioned come playoff time. But surviving until they start to get their bodies back. Dario Saric appears as if he's rounding into form. Sure. It appears as if, and we'll talk about this specifically a little later, it appears that he and Jock Landale have formed a nice kind of duo when they're out there together. Now, how much of that changes? 
when Aiton comes back and the rotation kind of readjusts with his return? And I know you had said yesterday you thought Aiton was going to be back on Thursday. How much of that changes with Dario when guys start to get back? I don't know. But in the interim, it's nice to see Dario. took a year and a half, but it's nice to see Dario start to look like that version of himself again. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, a solid game for him with the with not only the points, but also the rebounds. He did a good job. Seems to be moving a lot better now. And obviously, Jacques Lando was terrific last night with the 15 points. Both of them knocked down like three three-pointers. And then Biombo coming in with the five blocks. So, you know, you look at, you know, DeAndre eight, and you're like, oh, okay, you're, you're, your $30 million guy is out. But with the combination of bigs, which is Biombo and Landale, and then Sarich coming in, who could play the four or the five, they've been fine. Like, they really, like, they've been fine. And, you know, that's the one position where they've got a tremendous amount of depth. You know, and they had it last year with JaVel McGee, and then they lose McGee, who's been terrible this year. They bring in Landale. Lando's been really good. And Biombo, man, he just plays with such energy and enthusiasm and, and five block shots. And then, you know, Dario, you know, at times, you know, he can play the five, and that's really suited for him to play small ball five, but a little bit of four. So it's worked out really well, like with DeAndre's absence. Like when DeAndre's out, they don't miss him the way they do if Chris is out or Devin Booker's out. The number that backs that up is, I believe, 9-1. and one. I think they're 9-1 and one without DeAndre Ayton. Now, if you don't like DeAndre Ayton, you'll probably look at that number as a reason for why the Suns shouldn't pay him or why maybe he's overvalued or maybe this or maybe that, whatever the case may be. I, I don't know if it's – I don't think it's coincidence, but I also don't think that number means everything as well. It certainly means that when he's not out there that they they absolutely have the personnel. And I, and I know Dwayne Rankin, who covers the team for AZ Central, made this point in his recap of the game. Man, if Aiton could just play with the same level of energy that Bismack Biombo does when he's out there, it'd be one of those, you know, what would you have on your hands if you were the Phoenix Suns? Because Bismack Biombo, he's at 11 the whole game, right? Like, he's got that knob, and he's got to crank to 11 the whole game, and he's playing with such intensity and such energy. He doesn't have... Now, a guy like Biombo has to play at an energy level like that to survive in the league. That's going to be his calling card, but you see that kind of energy he plays with, and you just think to yourself, man, if DeAndre could just play like that. The sky's the limit for what he could do out there. Well, absolutely. There's no question that he's got the potential to do it. We see it at times. There are games where it's like he can absolutely dominate. He just hasn't been able to put it together and be, be consistent. Now, when you've got ball-dominant guards, which Phoenix does, it does make it harder for those guys. There's a reason that, you know, like Atlanta, they want to get rid of college because they've got two ball-dominant guards, and so it's, you know the, the money they're paying him is not justified because they've got two ball-dominant guards. A lot of teams have that and that affects guys. So DeAndre is definitely affected by that. But what he can control is he can control his emotion, his physicality. He can control his energy, his effort. He can control all of that, whether he has the ball or not. Because, you know, you can block a shot. You can box somebody out. You could grab a rebound. You can come up with a steal. There's so many things that you could do to affect the game when you don't have the ball in your hands. I mean, you know, there's one ball and there's 10 guys on the court at all time. I mean, nine other guys don't have the ball. You got to move. You got to get spacing. You got to set picks. You got to screen. It's, it's a lot of things that he could do that I think everybody wants to see him improve on. 
Yeah. Um, next up for the Suns, Dallas Mavericks tomorrow night. By the way, we did just about 45 minutes ago get an update on Devin Booker. He's going to be reevaluated in one week. We've got James Jones coming up a, a little later on the show. We'll ask him about this. But according to Marty Williams and the Suns, Devin Booker will be reevaluated by the organization in one week from right now. So we'll see if that makes it any closer to his return. Right now, the Suns, after the win last night, tied for sixth in the NBA standings with the team they're playing on Thursday, the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, it is a logjam, like it's been all season long. The Suns are only, what, two games in the loss column out of the fourth seed in the Western Conference right now, but also only two games in the loss column out of the 11th, 12th, 13th seed in the Western Conference, Gambo. That is where we stand right now with this team. Yeah, big difference from where they were with that four-game winning streak, right? They were 12th and out of the play-in game, and now they've jumped up, and now we're starting to talk about can they get to the four seed. So what a difference a little winning streak makes. Four-time Super Bowl champion and NFL legend Rob Gronkowski is bringing his Gronk Beach to Talking Stick Resort on February 11th. Gronk is going to bring his infamous end zone dance moves along with his hip-hop star 21 Savage, Little John, and much more. Head to the contest page at ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and complete event details. So there's excitement from the Suns winning again last night. There's excitement because of the other big news regarding the Suns that came down today. We'll tell you about that next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. By Baxter Holmes and Adrian Wojnarowski, confirmed by Arizona Sports, by the way. Billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia's purchase of a majority stake in the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury at a $4 billion valuation is expected to become official in the next two weeks with Ishbia assuming control prior to the February 9th NBA trade deadline. Here we go. That's- here we go, Here we right? Go. A, yeah, yeah. a new era of Phoenix Suns basketball is about to commence. Gambo, thoughts? Um, I'm, it's better that it's you know better that it's uh, you know before the deadline. That way, I, I'm sure that there's been some communication. I'm sure that there is some ideas. Uh, I might even ask James Jones about this when we have him on about what his wants are and, and desires are. I don't know that he's set the budget, but once he comes in then he could start making the changes necessary. You're so close to the end of the season that he might ride it out. I think there will be many changes in the Suns organization, but I'm not talking about the GM and the coach. I'm talking about a lot of the front office personnel and he'll bring in people he knows, people he's worked with, people he's comfortable with. So I do think there'll be a lot of changes with the Phoenix Suns, but I don't think it'll be the GM. I don't think it'll be the head coach. I think it'll be a lot of other areas of his expertise, people he knows and trusts. Because, you know, you, you want to surround yourself with those type of people. That may come after the season is over because we're so close now to the end of the season, you know, that you may not want to make any massive changes until the off season. But with that being said, we may get some clarity on what he expects for the rest of this season. Not only in the trade market by the trade deadline, but also the buyout market. And, of course, I think everybody wants to know how far into the luxury tax are you willing to go? Because they are a luxury taxpayer right now. And, you know, there's a question of, do you want to be a $30 million luxury taxpayer, or 40 or 50 or six? What if we can get this? Because, you know, there is going to be a buyout market after the trade deadline ends that could provide some decent players for the Suns to go look at. And they still have that, uh, uh, that tax taxpayer exception, a portion of that that they can use. 
Yeah, I mean, at this point, I'd love to sit here and say we've got all the answers and we know exactly how this is going to play out. At this point, we're, uh, you know, educated guessing just as much as anybody else is when it comes to the Suns. We're not exactly sure. I, I do think it's curious. I think it's eyebrow-raising, and I certainly think it's worth discussing, discussing that this does feel like it's been fast-tracked a little bit. Like, like normally this vetting process, this getting through the NBA process, usually it feels like, and I read a story about this on Bright Side of the Sun, they do, you know, like Kellen for Arizona Sports, they do such a good job covering the team. They had even suggested that this is a little quicker than it normally goes for something like this. And I wonder, you know, I, I know what the obvious answer to that question is. Ishbia wants to take, you know, possession of the Suns before the deadline so he can be around to to give any final approval he needs to. But what exactly does that look like? You know, what 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 are you going to do with that power when you get it? Are you going to come in and is there something James wants to do but he can't? Is there something James doesn't want to do but Ishbia does? And he's going to come in and say, hey, I think we should do this. And I, I mean, and these are all questions we don't know answers to, Gamma. There's this assumption that Ishbia is going to come in and it's going to be like, hallelujah, celebrate, party, confetti, all that stuff. The Suns have a new owner. But in terms of what it actually means and whether Ishbia's vision matches up with James' vision as it relates specifically like, to the trade deadline, I don't know for sure if we know the answer to how those two visions match up. And that'll be really interesting to see on February 9th if he's in place in time, how exactly that's going to work and how exactly that's going to look. I don't think you come in and you, you know, you've got an organization that two years ago was in the NBA Finals. Last year had the best record in the NBA, and this year has had a bunch of devastating injuries that have kind of set them back quite a bit, but they should get all those guys back. I don't know if there's anything you do to rock the boat. I think you support. I think you just support. You come in and you support. Hey, here, what do you need? What can I do to help you guys this year? What do you guys want to do? You know, hey, listen, do we have the ability to add another 10 million in salary? It's going to cost you another 18 million, you know, because we're already over the tax. Because as you know, with the, with the, when you're over the tax, you know, there's a dollar for dollar, then it's a dollar 25 per, that's a dollar 50, but eventually it's the two dollars for every dollar you spend. The, the more you're over, the more it costs you. So I right. think, you know, you want to just, Support. How much support does he want to give to this year's team to help them? And I think that's what you want clarification on if you're James Jones and Monty Williams to see, look, do we have the means necessary to go out and make the type of moves, whether it's a trade at the deadline or it's, you know, getting a couple of guys in the buyout market? Do we have that, uh, that leeway to do those things? You'll remember this as well as I will. You tell me if I'm remembering this right because it was so long ago when Robert Sarver came in and took over ownership of the Suns. Jerry and Brian were still very active parts of the organization. Uh, and in those early couple of years, Jerry and Brian were still, you know, Brian was still the general manager. Jerry was still, you know, in charge of kind of overseeing things. When, when Sarver came in, one of the first things they did, if I remember right, was go get Steve Nash. And I felt like that was just as much a Jerry Brian decision as it was a Robert decision, even though it was Robert's money to do that. I, I do wonder this time around, 20 years later, is it is it similar? And, you know, I'm kind of repeating what you said here, but James has been very successful. Monty's been very successful. Yeah, fans are a little frustrated sometimes because, you know, it's been kind of status quo for the last year. I mentioned that yesterday. But it, it, no one can deny the success this organization has had the last three years. And I just I wonder if kind of like Sarver initially took a little bit of a backseat to Jerry and Brian in the early days. I wonder if Ishbia will do the same thing with Jerry and Ma, or with, uh, with James and Monty, and just kind of sit back and, okay, I'm, I'm here to observe. What do you need? What do you want? 
because you're right. The biggest question about Matt is going to be how far into the luxury tax do you want to go? There are different levels of that. Do you want to go Clippers level? Do you want to go Warriors level? That's a fortune, right? Or do you want to go like Miami Heat level? You know, do you want to go Milwaukee Bucks level? Do you want to kind of stick one toe in the water? Do you want to put a leg in the water? Or do you want to jump in the pool? Because the Clippers and the Warriors have jumped in the pool. What do you want to do? That's probably going to be the biggest basketball question we're going to want to know I th- out of Matt Ishbia. I think the, the big difference is that Jerry, when Jerry sold the team to Sarver, he had a five-year contract to be, you know, like an advisor and be around. Right. He had a title, right? He had a title. He had an office. And Brian was the GM. Like, Brian was still the GM until he took the job in Toronto because he wasn't going to get his contract extended when he still had two years left on a deal and he wanted an extension and Robert wouldn't give it to him. So he decided to go get a, a bigger deal with Toronto. The difference now is that Matt's going to come in and Robert's going to be out of sight, out of mind. I don't know that anybody will see him again. I mean, I really don't. I think Robert will take his money and him and his wife and his family and then I, I think that's it so Robert's not going to be around so Matt's going to have yeah. full control of everything where when when Robert took over Jerry was still there I mean he was there to lend a voice to lend a hand you can run this by me you can run that by me so you had you still had years no eventually Jerry didn't last the five years eventually he kind of Faded out on yep. you know on his own doing because he wasn't being used the way he thought he would be. Um, so I think that's the big difference. But is that Jerry was still there? He was like he was still a part of the organization with a big title and a salary and everything for a few years. Where Robert's just going to be gone. I'm selling the team and I'm out of here. Yeah. Text your thoughts on the transfer in ownership when it comes to the Suns to the FanDuel text line at 620-620. But again, repeating the top story, it would appear that that transfer in ownership is going to happen before the NBA's trade deadline on February 9th. When we come back, is there a new front runner for the Cardinals head coaching job? Who is it, if this report is true? Well, we'll tell you next on the Burns and Gambo Show. The Burns and Gambo Need to Know Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. All right, like Gambo, uh, Eric is back there in the auction community studios. He has today's Twitter poll question of the day. I have no idea what it is. Bring Just it uh, what kind of warrior status do we give Burnsy working with COVID today? Oh, stop. It's what kind of warrior? Is he, is he the Hulk? Yeah. Is he Captain America? I'd always choose to be Captain America. Is he Batman? Batman? No way. Got a mask on. Got a mask on. Got a man. Batman wore a mask. You get it? Most of them them did. Right. I'm not wearing a mask now. I'm in the house all by myself. Is he Aquaman? It's just drowning in Aquaman. Aquaman. I mean, I like Jason Momoa, but I mean, come on. That's that's a pretty pretty weak superhero. You guys are a striking resemblance, Bernsey. You and Jason Momoa. Me and Jason Momoa. Oh, yes. Very, very much. No, it's it's just the, the, the... Everybody's got rules. I'm a rule follower, Gambo. You know this. The rules are, you know, got to be from home. I I felt fine enough to do the show today. It's not that big of a deal. It's fine. It's fine. Move along. Nothing to see here. All good. Just doing the show. It's all right. You're feeling good, Bernsey, but the Suns, they're feeling really, really good. Four straight wins. It seems like the tides have turned for Phoenix. So the question today is, are your expectations for the Suns this season still championship or bust? Here are your options. You have yet. And then you have three no's. They list your expectations. So you have no, you won't think that their expectation should be winning multiple rounds, winning one playoff series, or just making the playoffs. Oh, I love this question. I really do love this question. It's championship or bust. We got to get into that mentality. You've got Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Mikael Bridges, a championship or bust. 
I mean, can't get into the... When you've had a team that's been to the NBA Finals and had the best record in the NBA, we, we're not taking a step backwards and saying, oh, we'll be really happy if they get out of the first round. No, it's the, they got to win a championship. You sold me. Yeah, I mean, me. we have to get to that you mindset. We can't just it's, be it's, settling for, you know, with a really good team. We can't be settling for, oh, I'm just so happy to win the first round and move on and then get beat. No, not good enough. I know the injuries certainly have changed the path as to how they can get there, but I still think the destination is the same. It's championship. And and you don't get you don't have the best most wins in the history of the organization. You don't go to the finals two years ago. You don't bring back the same team without that still being the same goal. So I would agree championship or bust. This one's really interesting. If you take it on a big picture, only forty three point nine percent of people believe the championship or bust should be the expectations for this season. That means over 50% don't think it's championship or bust. Here's how it breaks down. 30.7% think the expectation should be to win multiple rounds, go deep in the playoffs. 14.2% think the expectation should be to win a series. 11.1% to just make the playoffs. All right. That's the whole question. It's a good one. Um, wasn't expecting that one today. You can find it on the Burns and Gambo Twitter page. At Burns and Gambo, one word is where you can find it. I'm saying that as of right now, it does not seem like there is a place for Sean Payton. We'll see. But it does not seem like there is a place in the coaching world right now. That's Ian Rappaport from NFL Now earlier today. I've got some more sound that I'll play from him a little later on in this segment. Gambo sent along this story today, and I believe the original source was Bleacher Report. And one of their writers was making a prediction as to who he thinks the next Cardinals head coach is going to be. They're going with Frank Reich, which I think is a really interesting name to predict who's going to get the gig. Um, Quote, while Sean Payton would also make sense in Arizona, the Cardinals would not have to give up premium draft capital in a trade to bring Reich aboard. This past season, we saw Murray butt heads with former head coach Cliff Kingsbury, which isn't uncommon for a quarterback and head coach. But Reich isn't known for shouting at his players publicly in a combative fashion. With his calm demeanor, he can foster a smoother coach-to-quarterback relationship, close quote. One man, one opinion. I don't know if this is the name I would predict to be the next head coach of the Cardinals. If I were the one doing the prediction, well, I mean, right now so the prediction. I mean, right now Reich's going to be the head coach, and then Quinn's going to be the head coach, and Flores is going to be the head coach. You could probably have all three for the same amount of money it would cost Sean Payton. Um, you know, so if I'm Michael Bidwell, I mean, I've got three head coaches, all three of these guys. Like, no, I mean, honestly, I mean, Quinn. Yesterday was going to be Quinn, and today, okay, the odds are it's going to be Reich, and a couple days ago it was going to be Flores. I mean, I'd be surprised if it wasn't one of those those three guys, but we just don't know. I mean, I think this process is going to end very, very quickly, but you know. This, I mean, that was in the last three days. There have been moments we felt like, oh yeah, Flores is going to be the guy. Oh yeah, Quinn's going to be the guy. Oh yeah, Frank Reich is going to be the guy. So you know, I think they're they're interviewing everybody. They'll, I'm sure they'll have a name for us very, very quickly. I'd be surprised if it wasn't one of those guys. I mean, but those yeah. are the three guys that you know. We at one point we you know we haven't said Vance Joseph Joseph is going to be the guy. We haven't said uh, Ajiro Ivaro is going to be the guy. But with these three, we have Flores, Quinn, and Reich. We've said, we haven't said Aaron Glenn is going to be the guy. You think about all the guys no. they've interviewed. These three: Flores, Reich, Quinn are the guys most associated with being the head coach of the, of the Arizona Cardinals. We haven't said D'Amico Ryans. He no. obviously canceled his interview. You know, he's nope. another name that has come up. But has, Now, you're, boy, you are spot on with this. It does seem very much like a flavor of the day kind of thing. And, and yesterday, Dan Quinn was absolutely the flavor of the day. Yeah, Larry Fitzgerald endorsed them. Oh, yeah. Right? It, yeah. 
uh, Kevin Ray endorsed him because of his time as a Cowboys play-by-play announcer. You've you've had you know so yeah it's and today I am amazed. What is today? The, the date today is January twenty fifth. Mm-hmm. I am amazed. Nobody's hired a coach yet. Nobody. Not one team. The old junior high dance analogy, which you didn't understand because you're always the guy to go across the dance hall and ask the girl to dance, right? But in junior high, everybody was so shy and so embarrassed. Nobody wanted to be the one to cross over and ask somebody to dance. That's what this coaching search feels like. feels like you got all the coaches on one side, you got all the teams on the other. Who's going to be the first one to cross over the mid-court stripe and ask the girl out to dance? And, And I don't... Like, there was some reporting today that suggested the Broncos might be the first team to announce their head coach. And that it might be, of all people, David Shaw, the Stanford head coach. Wow. Like, he might be the first one to get the job, and we might hear about that today. I don't know what's happening right now when it comes to this coaching search. It has been very quiet so far. No, I mean, I I think, you know, I've I've read that, too, that the Broncos finalists include D'Amico Ryans and David Shaw. Uh, and it's probably going to be one of those two guys. And then, you know, maybe Sean Payton is out of this whole thing, which is going to be shocking because then he's going to have to come up with a reason why he didn't get a job when he was somewhat interested in all of them. And he was talking about every one of them like they were great. And, and the fact that he doesn't get hired, I mean, I, could, I would just say, listen, that compensation is just too much. I got to wait it out a little bit longer because nobody wants to give up that, you know, that type of compensation. Yeah, here's Ian Rappaport again. I promise more of this. This is him from uh, NFL Now saying it from where it looks where he's sitting. Sean Payton just might not get a second interview anywhere. When this all started, the assumption was as soon as Sean Payton decides where he's going to go, then everyone else will know where they're going to go, and then the coaching searches will resume from there. It's now reached a different point. And if you go through the different places that Sean Payton has has interviewed, it does not seem like a second interview is coming with any of those. Now, he's scheduled to interview with the Cardinals tomorrow. Does the narrative change tomorrow? It could, depending on what comes out of that. I, I, I don't know. Or maybe Sean Payton truly has overplayed his hand. Maybe the Saints have overplayed their hand. Maybe he's asking for too much. They're asking for too much. And not just the Cardinals, but every team is kind of saying, yeah, that's just too rich for our blood. We'll pass. Thank you very much. You're good. You're not that good. I, I, I don't know. Frank Reich is, according to reports, Gambo, uh, set to have, if he hasn't already, a second interview with the Panthers along with Steve Wilkes. So that news is out there. Saw a story today that suggested that Jeff Saturday might be a legit, real candidate no for the way. Indianapolis no, coach job. Yeah. Come on, no way. I, I couldn't believe it myself. No, I'd, that, I'd be shocked. I join the club. So Wilkes is getting a second opportunity, and so is Reich with with Carolina with the the Panthers. So second interviews today with Frank Reich in Charlotte. And again, like you know, again, I mean, I don't know if the Cardinals feel like, hey, there's three candidates that I really like, and any any of them would be good because you know, if you really do feel like Frank Reich is the guy, like you got to hire him before Charlotte may hire him. Right, exactly, if, if you think he's the guy. We're less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57. Bud Light, FanDuel, Arizona Sports all want you to be there in person. So text the word SUPER to 620-620. Register and listen for your name, 
starting February 6th, and you can score a pair of tickets to not only the Super Bowl, but also the FanDuel Party, the Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl experience. Again, text the word SUPER to 62620. It's all access. It's presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. Joe Burrow has never lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Is there a potential kryptonite for the Cincinnati Signal Caller? That's coming up on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. After uh, one of his touchdown passes over the weekend against the Bills, Joe Burrows, he was walking off the field. There's video of him. He was he was mic'd up, or a player was mic'd up, and the mic caught his, his voice. And Joe Burrow was yelling, I'm him, I'm him, I'm him. And Burrow was asked about that today, and Burrow's like, I said that? Uh, I don't really remember. I'm Sometimes him, I'm, about I'm him, I'm him? I'm him. Like, I'm the man. Like, I'm the man. I'm him. I'm oh. that guy. I'm him. That's better than, yeah. how do you like that? Yeah. How do you like, how do you like that? that? How do you like that? Listen, this I mean, is, let's, let's call it like it. Dude, this is the coolest quarterback in the NFL since Joe Namath, okay? Thousand percent. Since thousand Joe Namath. Percent. Like, this is Joe yep. Namath. Like, they, Joe Burrow is Joe Namath. He's better than Joe Namath. I mean, Joe Namath's famous for winning one Super Bowl, you know, against the Colts, as a AFC, NFC, and the, the, the different the different leagues, AFL, NFL, like, um... In 69, the Jets beat the Colts as a massive, massive underdog. They shocked the world and won that game. And, uh, you know, he became a legend. But, like, but he was cool. Like, he was cool. You know, Tom Brady wasn't cool. Like, Joe Montana wasn't cool. Like, Roger Starbuck wasn't cool. But, like, Joe Burrow is, like, you know, he, he he's cool. I'm trying to think who else. Peyton Manning. I mean, Peyton Manning's funny. He's funny, but Peyton he wasn't Manning- cool. I don't know if he was cool. He was funny, and he was a great. He is a great media personality. Joe but Burrow I don't know if he's cigar smoking, cool. like just yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, who was Burrow's the last cool. quarterback? Was like maybe, but like there was like Jim McMahon was cool. He McMahon was cool, was cool. but he wasn't, was really as, cool. he wasn't as good. It wasn't at this uh, level. Aikman wasn't cool. Favre wasn't cool. Fouts um, wasn't cool. No, Fouts. Bradshaw wasn't cool. Wasn't cool. No, I mean, no, who it's, was it's, there? Joe yeah, Burrow's like Joe Burrow's like he's cool. Like you know, yeah, he's badass. Like yeah. if you could hang out with any quarterback, you'd probably say I'd probably like to hang out with him. With him. He's also three and zero against the Kansas City Chiefs. I looked it up just to be sure. One of those wins were in Kansas City. Two were in Cincinnati. Um, the other thing to keep in mind with this matchup, and I was kind of shocked to see this. This is the first. You know, take it for what it is. It's kind of a gambling stat. This is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' postseason career that he is the underdog. He is not favored to win this game. He has never not been favored to win a playoff game ever in his entire career. A lot of people which is a just, remarkable. A lot of people remarkable just stat to me. Counting Kansas City out. I mean, count, a lot of people just counting Kansas City out. There was something I looked at today, right? You start to do your, you know, we start to do our previews for these games and stuff. Four lessons the Chiefs have learned in their three previous losses to the Bengals. There's only one that I cared about. There's only one. The Chiefs must pressure Burrow, and they cannot whiff. It was a fascinating piece that's just talking about how. They haven't been able to get to him. You know, like, you know, Chris Jones and Frank Clark have just struggled to get any pressure on him. And they, they just they haven't been able to, to hit him or get the quarterback sacks. And they were talking about, you know, um, Jones, who is such a great player. The yes. guy doesn't have a sack. He's got 11 career postseason games. He doesn't have a sack. 
And last year, he had a couple of opportunities to get him, and he didn't. I mean, in the regular season, he was the league's best interior pass rusher. He had 15 and a half sacks, 29 quarterback hits. They need... Chris Jones to go get the quarterback. And, uh, but he just, he fails in the postseason. He hasn't had any success in the postseason. And they had some chances last year to get to Burrow and they weren't able to do it, both Clark and Jones. Yeah, you got to bring it home, and and that's uh, look. I don't know how many more times we can talk about the Bengals' offensive line as being the key to all this, and it's not just the offensive line. I, I mean, yeah, they had three guys who were playing out of position or do didn't have a lot of reps, didn't have a lot of experience. They also used Joe Mixon very very effectively last week. They also used Joe Burrow getting the ball out very very effectively last week, and all of that kind of helped mitigate the Bills' pass rush in that game. But there's no doubt. All you have to do is look at last year's postseason. Where the sack numbers weren't there, the pressure numbers weren't there, the Bengals have that big second half comeback against the Chiefs and they win. Two weeks later in the Super Bowl, the Rams are all over Burrow like a cheap suit. And, and, it, and it fell apart because of that. So there's got to be, and I'm sure there is, a lot of tape studying, a lot of tweaking, a lot of changing of the game plan. And surely the Bengals will be ready for that because there's no doubt you got to, he does not get rattled. He does not get scared. He, he, he's not a guy that you can get inside. Now, I'm worried about that for Brock Purdy this week. We'll talk about that a little later on, either today or in the sure. week. Uh, I'm worried for Brock Purdy this week on the road in that kind of environment. Man, Joe Burrow, he, he ain't scared of no man or nothing. Well, and you're Chiefs, not going to rattle him unless you hit him. Yeah, listen, it, it makes, you know, the, the Chiefs struggle against quarterbacks that get rid of the ball very quickly and Burrow gets rid of the ball very quickly. So you would think, you know, play press coverage, play, you know, play bump and run, hit, you know, get, hit those wide receivers off. The, if he wants to get rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds, which isn't a late enabling your pass rushes to get to him, man, maybe you got to come up on a line of scrimmage and, and play bump and run. Maybe you got to try to, you know, throw those guys off their routes early to give yourself more time. Now, sometimes it's hard to do that when you've got five guys going out for a pass, but I think that that's probably you know the way to go. If I'm Kansas City, I'm Spagnuolo. I want to look at that. Like, what can I do to create more time for my pass rush? I might have to come up on the line of scrimmage and play these guys tight. And I got five yards. Let me bump them as, as much as I can to kind of throw them off their routes. On the other side of the equation, uh, Patrick Mahomes met with the media today, and I don't know if you noticed this on Twitter. I did. As soon as he was done with his press conference, there were probably five or six almost immediate videos of him walking off the podium, and all of the videos were focused on his ankle. Every single one. And most of them, you couldn't even see his face. You couldn't even see his chest. It was just like knees down, here's Patrick Mahomes walking off the podium, walking down the stairs, walking back into the locker room. Um, According to reports, he practiced today. It was a walkthrough, then an afternoon practice. He was not expected to be limited. Uh, I, I, I mean, I saw him walk for maybe seven steps. He looked fine. That is a far cry from playing football. So whether he's going to be able to play effectively, we still don't know. But all of the video today on social media of just him walking from here to the door, I was amazed how many people were trying to get that information out there. Yeah, and I don't listen. I, I if he can't do what he normally does, you know, you know, getting outside, moving around the pocket, creating time for himself. I mean, it was a terrific stat. The next gen stats broke this down. Two of the better, best quarterbacks in the league throwing on the run are are in this game. Burrow's number one, and Mahomes is number three. Burrow is number number one in the NFL throwing on the run. Patrick Mahomes is number three. But if Mahomes can't run. 
and he's limited and he can't do those things, well then, you know, how effective can he be? And that's that's the question you've got to ask yourself at Kansas City. Am I better with a 100% healthy Chad Henney or a very, very limited Patrick Mahomes? Now, many times I'll say the limited Patrick Mahomes is going to be better than Chad Henney. But the question really becomes, how limited is he? If he can't throw yeah. the deep ball and he can't run out of the pocket and all he's really good for is five-yard passes, are you better with Chad Henney? If, if they struggle mightily early in that game and they go to Henney, you'll have your answer. There is a lot to like about a four-game winning streak. What has stood out the most to our son's guru, Kellen Olsen? We'll ask him. His weekly segment is next on the Burns and Gambo Show.